ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله سبحان الله حديث جابر رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لبلال He narrates that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said to Bilal إذا أذنت فترسل وإذا أقمت فاحدر واجعل بين أذانك وإقامتك قدر ما يفرغ الآكل من أكله الحديث رواه الترمذي وضعفه in this hadith, Jabir, he states that the Prophet said to Bilal, if you make the adhan, then elongate it. If you make the adhan, then elongate it. And if you make the iqama, make it short. And leave enough time between your adhan and the iqama so that a person can finish his food. This is a hadith narrated and at Tirmidhi himself, he mentioned that it is weak. But the Sheikh says, Sheikh Salih al-Fawzan, Hafidhahullah, هذا الحديث فيه توجيهات للمؤذن. This hadith, it has certain guidelines for the mu'avvin. حيث إن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لبلال, because the Prophet ﷺ here said to Bilal, إِذَا أَذَّنْتَ فَتَرَسَّلْ وَإِذَا أَقَمْتَ فَحْدُرْ وَجْعَلْ بَيْنَ أَذَانِكَ وَإِقَامَتِكَ قَدْرَ مَا يَفْرُغُ الْآكِلُ مِنْ أَكْلِهِ وَلَكِنْ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ ضَعِيفِ But this hadith the Shaykh says is weak. لَكِنْ لِكَوْنِهِ فِي الْآدَابِ أَوْرَدَهُ الْمُؤَلِّفُ لِلِسْتِئْنَاسِ بِهِ But because this hadith is just about some of the mannerisms of the adhan, then the author, Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar, he mentioned it here as something that could be uh, used alongside the authentic narrations, but not as a principle in of itself. So the hadith says that if you make the adhan, فَتَرَسَّلْ أَيْ التمهل, Make it slow and elongate it. Make it slow and raise your voice. If you make the adhan, then make it slow and raise your voice. لِأَنَّهُ لِدَعْوَةِ الْغَائِبِينَ Because this adhan, it is to call the people who are absent. Those people who are in their homes and other places, it is to give them an alert that the time for their prayer is here. So when you make the adhan, make it with a loud voice and slowly and long, so it can be heard. وَإِذَا أَقَمْتَ فَحْدُرْ and when you make the iqama, then make that quick. Al-iqama yusra'u fiha wa yutaba'u al-fadhuha. Li'annaha lida'wati al-hadhirina faqat. Wal-hadhiruna la yahtajuna ila tarassul. Hada huwa al-farqu bayna al-adhani wal-iqama. So here in this hadith it mentions that when you do the iqama, there's no need to make it to the loud voice and to make it long. That's the adhan. The iqama you keep it short. The iqama is kept short, it is done quickly. Because now the iqama is to alert the people who are already present that the prayer is about to begin. 
It is not to bring the people from wherever they are and to alert them to the time of the prayer. The iqamah is for the people who are already present there in the masjid now. To let them know now the prayer is about to start. So there's no need to elongate it and make it longer. Simply, quickly do the iqama. The people in the masjid who are present then become aware that it's time. Whereas the adhan slow and long so that it can be heard by the people uh, outside. وَاجْعَلْ بَيْنَ أَذَانِكَ وَإِقَامَتِكَ قَدْرَ مَا يَفْرُغُ الْآكِلُ مِنْ أَكْلِ Make between the adhan and the iqama sufficient time where a person could finish his food. هَذَا فِيهِ أَنَّهُ لَا يُتَابَعُ بَيْنَ الْأَذَانِ وَالْإِقَامَ وَإِنَّمَا يُفْصَلُ بَيْنَهُمَا This indicates that between the adhan and the iqama there is supposed to be a gap. You don't do the adhan and then do the iqama straight away. There is supposed to be a gap. And that's a difference between the adhan and the iqama in of itself too. The adhan slowly and with a raised voice and stop at each sentence. But with the iqama, there's no need for that. The iqama, you can say all of the words in one go. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, all of it flowing in one go. It can be done like that. But the adhan, you're supposed to make it slow Stop at each sentence, start the new sentence slow and long, so it goes out to everybody to hear. Whereas the iqama can be done quickly, one sentence after the next straight away. But then the point here being that the adhan and the iqama, they should not be done right next to each other. There should be a gap between them. كُلٌّ بِحَسَبِهِ وَهُوَ بِقَدْرِ مَا يَفْرُغُ الْآكِلُ مِنْ أَكَلِهِ فَلَوْ أَنَّ إِنسَانًا كَانَ يَأْكُلُ طَعَامَهِ وَأَدْنَنَ الْمُؤَدِّنَ فَيَنْبَغِي عَلَى الْمُؤَدِّنَ فَالْإِنسَانُ فِي تِلْكَ الْحَالِ بِحَاجَ لِمَهْلَةِ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنْ يَتَوَضَّأَ أَوْ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنْ يَلْبِسْ وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكَ So the shaykh says that once the adhan is done, then there should be time between the adhan and the iqama, so that a person maybe who's eating can finish his food and get ready and come, or somebody who needs to get himself prepared and change his clothes, etc. Whatever it may be, there is a possibility with some time for the people to prepare and come to the masjid. It should not be the case that the adhan is done and then instantly afterwards the iqama is done. And there are some narrations that say you should leave enough time that a person is able to pray raka'atain. A person is able to pray two raka'at between the adhan and the iqama, then that amount of time should be left at least. وَلِلْتِرْمِذِ عَنْ أَبِي هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالْ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم لَا يُؤَذِّنُ إِلَّا مُتَوَضِّئِ uh, in this hadith, narrated by a Tirmidhi, uh, or rather reported by a Tirmidhi from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet said, nobody can make adhan unless they have wudu. Only somebody who has wudu can make the adhan. But then he declared the hadith to be weak. There is another hadith which comes up, وَلَهُ عَنْ زِيَادِ بْنُ الْحَارِثِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ قَالْ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ The Messenger of Allah said, وَمَنْ أَدَّنَا فَهُوَ يُقِيمُ وَضَعَّفَهُ أَيْضًا There's another hadith that says, whoever makes the adhan, he's the one who has to make the iqama. But again, that has been declared as weak by some. وَلِأَبِي دَاوُدْ عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ زَيْدِ قَالْ أَنَا رَأَيْت there's another hadith where Abdullah ibn Zayd says, I saw the adhan and I wanted to be the one making it. 
So then it was said, you make the iqama instead. That again, some of the scholars they say is weak. You have another one. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم المؤذن أملك بالأذان والإمام أملك بالإقامة. That the muaddin he is the one who is in charge of when the adhan occurs and the imam is the one in charge of when the iqama should occur. And the final one here, عن أنس رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يرد الدعاء بين الأذان والإقامة that the dua that is made between the adhan and the iqama is not rejected. So all of these narrations, then what do they mean? هذه الأحاديث ساقها المصنف رحمه الله في آخر باب الأذان. These narrations, the muaddin, the uh, author, he has mentioned them all at the end of the chapter of Adhan, the Sheikh says. لأن فيها بعض أداب الأذان وما يستحب because within these ahadith are mentioned some mannerisms that are preferred for the adhan. Some etiquettes that should be followed in the adhan. وَإِنْ كَانَ فِيهَا ضَعَفٍ The shaykh says, even if some of these narrations do have weakness in them, يُسْتَعْنَسُ بِهَا فِي هَذَا الْمَوْضُوعِ They are narrations that you can use as some sort of backing. You can use these narrations with some sort of backing to them even though they are weak, but as some sort of reference point for these uh, etiquettes of the Adhan. لِأَنَّ بَابُ الْفَضَائِلِ يُتُسَامَحُ فِيهِ بِرِوَايَةِ الْأَحَدِيثِ الْوَارِدَ فِيهِ Because the Shaykh says when it comes to these types of etiquettes, these virtues, these etiquettes, it is sometimes a little bit more lenient when it comes to weak, weak narrations. وَإِنْ كَانَ فِيهَا ضَعَفِ Even if there is some weakness in them. If إِنَّهُ لَا يُبْنَى عَلَيْهَا أَحْكَامِ Because these types of narrations, we are not building principles upon them. These aren't principles of the adhan. They are some etiquettes of the adhan. Some etiquettes, some behaviors, some mannerisms that you should maybe observe during the adhan. But they are not principles or usul that we are establishing from these narrations. وَهَذِهِ طَرِيقَةَ الْعُلَمَاءِ رَحِمَهُمُ اللَّهِ فِي الْإِسْتِدْلَالِ بِالْحَدِيثِ ضَعِيفِ and the Shaykh says that some of the scholars, this is what they used to do, that when it comes to etiquettes and things, when it's not really the principles or the usul that you're establishing, then there was a bit more lenience that was given by some of the scholars. Especially when those hadith are not extremely weak. They have some minor weakness in them. Uh, as for halal and haram and rulings and principles, then of course they cannot be taken whatsoever from these weak narrations. But just because it's etiquette and manners and morals and the hadith do not have severe weakness in them, then the scholars give some leniency to that and say maybe there is some point of reference we can take from them. So that's what the Shaykh mentions here, Shaykh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala. فَهَذِهِ الْأَحَادِيثِ فِيهَا كَمَا فِي حَدِيثِ أَبِي هُرَيْرَى So from amongst the etiquettes that are mentioned in these ahadith is that it is mustahab Mustahab for the mu'adhin to be upon a state of tahara when he makes the uh, adhan. It is mustahab for the person making the adhan to be upon a state of purification when doing so. أَنَّهُ يُسْتَحَبُّ لِلْمُؤَذِّنْ أَنْ يَكُونَ عَلَى طَهَارَةً وَهَذَا مِنْ بَابِ الْإِسْتِحْبَابِ 
And this is something that is mustahab. لِأَنَّ الْأَذَانِ عِبَادَهُ وَذِكْرٌ لِلَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى Because the adhan is an act of worship. And within the adhan is remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَكَوْنُهُ يُؤَدِّيهِ وَهُوَ عَلَى طَهَارًا فَهُوَ أَفْضَلُ وَأَكْمَلُ So if a person he performs the adhan whilst he's on a state of purification, then that is better and more perfect. That you do this act of worship whilst being upon a state of purity and tahara. There is no doubt this is good and better. And the shaykh mentions that is more perfect for a person to do the adhan whilst he's upon a state of purification. Upon ghusl if that was required and upon wudu etc. وَلَوْ أَذَّنَا وَهُوَ عَلَى غَيْرِ طَهَارًا فَأَذَانُهُ صَحِيحٌ And if a person was to make the adhan without tahara, without purification, then the adhan is still correct. The adhan is still correct. إِذْ إِنَّهُ لَا يُشْتَرَطُ لِلْأَذَانِ الطَّهَارَةِ وَإِنَّمَا هَذَا مِنْ بَابِ الْإِسْتِحْبَابِ فَقَطْ Because it is not a condition of the adhan that a person must be upon wudu or ghusl or purification generally. It is not a condition of the adhan that a person must be upon that state. However, it is preferred, it is mustahab that a person is upon wudu when he makes the adhan. Even though if a person wasn't upon wudu when he made the adhan, the adhan would still be correct. As for the iqamah, then the shaykh says, that which is preferred, that which is preferred, is that the one who makes the adhan, he is the one who makes the iqamah too. أَنَّ الْمُسْتَحَبُ وَالْأَوْلَى أَنَّ مَنْ أَذَّنَ فَهُوَ يُقِيمُ وَلَا يُؤَذِّنُ وَاحِدٌ وَيُقِيمُ آخَرٌ So it's preferred that the person who makes the adhan, he should make the iqama. Not that two separate people should do that. But again, that is mustahab. It is not obligatory. It cannot be said that the one who makes the adhan, then he must obligatory, obligation. He must make the iqama. That is not the case. It is mustahab. So if a person made the adhan, and then somebody else made the iqama, then that is permissible. It is permissible. But the shaykh says it is preferred, Shaykh Fawzan says it is preferred that the one who makes the adhan, he also makes the iqama. However, like we said, these narrations do have some weakness in them, so it's not an obligation. Somebody made the adhan and somebody else made the iqama, that is not an issue, it is permissible. The third hadith mentioned, the hadith of Abdullah ibn Zayd radiallahu anhu, أَنَا رَأَيْتُهُ وَأَنَا كُنْتُ أُرِيدُهُ Remember the hadith we covered already from Abdullah ibn Zayd that he saw the dream about the adhan. So when he saw the dream about the adhan, he wanted to be the one to make the adhan. He wanted to be the one to do it. When he saw that dream and he came to the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet said to him, that is a truthful dream. وَقَدْ شُرِعَ الْأَذَانُ فِي مِنْ ذَلِكَ الْحِينَ كَمَا سَبَقَ and the adhan was then legislated from that point after he saw that dream and came and told the Prophet ﷺ. However, Rasul However, the Prophet ﷺ appointed Bilal radiallahu anhu to make the adhan. And he didn't appoint Abdullah ibn Zayd to do it. Abdullah ibn Zayd radiallahu anhu was the one who saw the dream. But he, the Prophet ﷺ didn't appoint him, he appointed Bilal radiallahu anhu. Why was that? لِأَنَّ بِلَالًا أَنْدَى صَوْتًا 
Min Abdullah ibn Zayd. Because Bilal radiallahu anhu, he had more strength in his voice. His voice was louder, it could be heard better. The voice of Bilal radiallahu anhu could be heard better. This therefore indicates that the Mu'addin, he should be somebody who has a good voice, meaning a voice that is loud and it can be heard. يعني ذا صوت جوهري من أجل أن يكون هذا أتم في إبلاغ وإسماع الناس. So it has to be a voice that is loud and clear that can be heard by the people. That's the type of person who should make the adhan. Not somebody with a, with a very quiet and soft voice. Somebody with a very quiet and soft voice who can't raise his voice, who can't make the people hear him and it's not clear. That isn't a good choice for the mu'addin in that case. The good choice for the mu'addin is somebody with a loud, clear, beautiful voice that can be heard by the people clearly and loudly. فَدَلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ يُخْتَارُ لِلْأَذَانَ الْأَرْفَعْ صَوْتًا وَالْأَحْسَنُ أَدَاءً Therefore the shaykh says, it, this indicates that the person who is chosen for the adhan should be somebody who has the loudest voice and the clearest voice, the most best uh, in performance of the adhan, the one who can recite the words properly. The one who can recite the words properly and he can raise his voice. فَكَوْنُ النَّبِي صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ the Shaykh says, therefore, this indicates that the person with a loud voice and a clear voice and somebody who can pronounce the adhan properly, he is the one who should do it. If somebody did the adhan who has a very quiet voice, that doesn't mean the adhan is false now. The adhan is still correct. The adhan is correct. But obviously, that is not the best thing to do. The best thing to do is to pick somebody with a loud, clear voice who can read the words properly. As for somebody who has a very quiet voice, then that isn't the best selection. But if that was done and somebody with a quiet voice did the adhan, the adhan is still correct. But what's better is somebody with a loud, clear voice that can make the people hear the adhan. Then after that, there was the hadith that said, وَمَا يَتَعَلَّقُ بِالْحَدِيثِ الَّذِي فِيهِ الْمُؤَذِّنُ أَمْلَكُ بِالْأَذَانِ وَالْإِمَامُ أَمْلَكُ بِالْإِقَامَةِ That the mu'addin, he is in charge of the adhan. And the Imam, he is in charge of the Iqama. This hadith clarifies what the responsibility of the Mu'addin is and what the responsibility of the Imam is. So the Mu'addin, he is the one who has the responsibility. If somebody is appointed as the Mu'addin of that place, then he is the one who has that responsibility. Nobody can come and challenge him on that. If he is the appointed mu'addin, then he is the one who has the right to do the adhan. Nobody else can come along and say, I'm going to do it, or you step back, I'm going to do it. Or somebody come and quickly do it before he gets there. That isn't correct. The mu'addin who has the right to be the mu'addin, the chosen mu'addin, he is the one who has the right to make the adhan. Nobody else can come and do it. The mu'addin is the one who checks the time and does it. If, for example, he never turned up, etc., that's another situation. Somebody does it then. But when the mu'addin is in responsibility, then typically he is the one who has that responsibility. He is the one who should look after the times and make sure at the right times he comes and does the adhan, etc. That is his responsibility. And nobody should 
take precedence over him. If he's there, nobody else can step forward and do the adhan in front of him. So he is the one who is in responsibility of the adhan. Like we say, if he was absent and he never turned up, etc., or he appointed somebody else, that's another situation. Uh, and the imam, he is in charge of the iqama, meaning that the mu'adhin or anybody else should not do the iqama until the imam says so. Until the imam gives the order, make the iqama now, nobody should do the iqama. لا يجوز للمؤذن أن يقيم بدون إذن الإمام. So it's not permissible for anyone to do the إقامة without the permission of the Imam. لأن المسؤول عن الإقامة هو الإمام because the one who has the responsibility over the إقامة, the right of the إقامة is the Imam. He is the one who gives the order for that. So therefore, the Imam should not be late for the prayer. The Sheikh says the Imam has that responsibility to tell the people when to do the إقامة. Therefore, he should come on time. If that's his responsibility, he should come on time to do that iqama on time. It's not befitting that he's then late and makes the people wait for him, etc. before they can do the iqama. That isn't right then. He should look after the people and come on time so that the iqama can be done on time when he comes and gives the permission. Uh, there's another hadith regarding this that the Prophet ﷺ said, Al-Mu'addinu Mu'taman wal-Imamu Dhamin فَأَرْشَدَ اللَّهُ الْأَئِمَّةُ وَغَفَرَ لِلْمُؤَذِّنِينَ That the mu'adhin, he is entrusted. He is entrusted with the times that he makes the adhan at the right time. And the imam, he is the one who guards over them. He is the one who guards over the congregation and looks after them. So Allah has guided the imams and he has forgiven the mu'adhineen. So nobody can challenge the imam and the mu'adhin. They have the right to do that adhan and the iqama. Or the imam has the right to tell them when to do the iqama. They have the ones who have that right. And that's why when sometimes the imam is a little bit late, he might be a minute late or two minutes late or a few minutes late, the people are hasty. As soon as the imam is late by one minute, they push somebody else forward and they pray. Instead, you should wait a little while. Maybe asr is at, for example, 5.30 or 6 o'clock, maybe 6 o'clock. By the time it gets to one minute past 6 and the imam isn't here, already they say, do the iqama, somebody lead. If there is a fixed imam and it is known there is a fixed imam, then you should wait, wait a minute or two, maybe something happened, traffic, etc. You might be late by a minute or two. You should wait for the imam, not to be hasty and stay straight away pray. So this is what's mentioned in that narration. The final narration is said, لا يرد الدعاء بين الأذان والإقامة That the dua is not rejected, which is made between the adhan and the iqama. Meaning that when a person makes the dua for himself after the adhan, he can make whatever dua he makes for himself from the halal duas, whatever type of dua that might be. And this is one of the times when answering of the dua is likely. Between the adhan and the iqama, that time period is one of the times of the answering of the dua. So it is upon the people that they strive to make dua at that time. فَلِلْمُسْلِمِ أَنْ يَجْتَهِدَ فِي هَذِهِ السَّاعَةِ بِالدُّعَاءِ لِنَفْسِهِ وَلِعَامَّةِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ It's upon that individual to make dua and to strive in making dua between the iqama or rather the adhan and the iqama. إِذَنْ لَا يَجُوزُ لَكَ أَنْ تَدْعُ عَلَى إِنسَانِ بِسُوءٍ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنَّكَ تَبْغِضَ وَأَنَّكَ تَحْسَدُ عَلَى شَيْءٍ مَا وَلَا يَجُوزُ لَكَ الدُّعَاءِ but when a person makes dua, you don't make dua for haram things. You don't make dua against your relatives or against somebody or somebody you envy. You don't make evil dua like this. 
dua which is righteous and correct and good, then a person he makes this dua between this time of the iqamah and the adhan, and that is something that is permissible and good to do, and one of the times of the answering of the dua occurs. The final narration then in the chapter of adhan, عن جابر قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من قال حين يسمع النداء اللهم رب هذه اللهم رب هذه الدعوة التامة والصلاة القائمة آت محمدا الوسيلة والفضيلة وبعثه مقاما محمودا الذي وعدته حلت له شفاعتي يوم القيامة. In this hadith of Jabir, he says that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said Whoever says when he hears the adhan, Allahumma rabba hadhi da'wati tama wa salati al-qa'ima, ati Muhammadan al-wasilata wal-fadilata, wabaathu maqama mahmood al-ladhi wa'adta. Whoever makes that dua at the end of the adhan, then he has the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ on the Day of Judgment. Here the Shaykh says, وَرَدَ أَيْضًا الدُّعَا مُقَيَّدًا بِنَوْعٍ مُخَصَّصٍ مِنَ الدُّعَا مِنْ حَدِيثِ جَابِرْ أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال اللهم رب هذه الدعوة التامة وصلاة القائمة آت محمدا الوسيلة والفضيلة وبعثه اللهم مقاما محمودا الذي وعدته This dua is what the Prophet ﷺ mentioned and it is a dua for the people to make فيستحب للمسلم إِذَا سَمِعَ النِّدَاءَ أَنْ يُجِيبَ الْمُؤَذِّنَ كَمَا سَبَقْ So therefore, when a person hears the adhan, it is befitting that the person replies to the muaddin, saying the same as what the muaddin says, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Shadu Allah, Shadu Allah. To repeat after the muaddin until when you get to Hayya ala salah, Hayya ala al-falah, then you say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. So you repeat after the muaddin. Then when he finishes, after that you read this dua. اللهم رب هذه دعوة التامة وصلاة القائمة this dua this dua you read it because the meaning of it is الدعوة التامة اللهم رب هذه الدعوة التامة that is referring to the adhan that is talking about the adhan الدعوة التامة أي the adhan تامة meaning that it is complete and perfect so the adhan is a complete perfect dua or call to the people it is complete because it includes within it Tawheed. The Adhan has Tawheed included within it. Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Tawheed is within this call. That's why this is known as Allahumma Rabbi Hadi Da'wati Tamma. This da'wah, this call, this Adhan, which is complete and perfect because of the Tawheed within it. Fa'awwaluhu takbir. At the beginning, you have the takbir, Allahu Akbar. Then you have the testification in the middle. Then you have the call to prayer and you have the call to success and then you conclude it with the takbir again. So it's a complete type of dua, a perfect type of dua. Wasalat al-qa'imah, meaning the prayer that is about to be established. Al-muradu bi salat al-qa'imah, yani salat al-mustamirra allati la tunsakhu wa la tubaddalu wa la tughayyar. The prayer that is about to be established, this prayer five times a day that is not abrogated or changed, then it will continue. It will continue, and they are the five obligatory prayers that will continue until the day of judgment. Tawassalun ila Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bihatayn al-ibadatayn, ibadat al-adhan wa ibadat al-salah. So you seek closeness to Allah via these two acts of worship, the act of the adhan and the act of the prayer. 
Then you say, Ati Muhammadan al Wasila. Give Muhammad Sallam the Wasila and the Fadila. The Wasila that which you seek a means of closeness via. And that is no doubt the worship and the ibadah. Ittaqullaha wa bataghu ilayhi al-wasila. Fear Allah and seek some wasila to Him, i.e. worship. Worship Allah and your obedience to seek this closeness to Allah. So that is what you are saying here now. Ati Muhammadan al-wasila ta wal-fadila ta. Al-fadila, that you raise Him up and give Him the high rank and station. Wab'athu maqaman mahmuda alladhi wa'adta. Meaning raise him up on the day of judgment upon that lofty status that you have promised him. That lofty status that you have promised him, then raise him up upon that state. As Allah mentioned in the Quran, uh, Raised up upon that praiseworthy station. Uh, and some scholars have mentioned that is the great intercession that occurs on that day. That great intercession that occurs on the Day of Judgment, when the people, they'll go to all the Prophets and Messengers, then eventually they come to the Prophet ﷺ, then that is the intercession that the Prophet ﷺ makes. Then this is uh, what the scholars say refers to that. So this is the dua that is mentioned, a person should recite at the end of the prayer, and whomsoever does that, then he gains the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ on the Day of Judgment. Um... And that intercession the Shaykh mentions, and we've spoken about that before too, has the two conditions, that it must be with the permission of Allah, and it must be upon a person of Tawheed. So you cannot seek intercession for the disbelievers, it must be for the people of Tawheed. And there are other du'as also that a person can recite at the end of the prayer. رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّا وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ نَبِيًّا وَرَسُولًا that's another dua that is mentioned in Sahih Muslim. Uh, and also it's mentioned that you can do the salutations upon the Prophet ﷺ. The hadith in Sahih Muslim, إِذَا سَمِعْتُمُ الْمُؤَدِّنَ يُؤَدِّنَ فَقُولُوا مِثْلَ مَا يَقُولُ ثُمَّ صَلُّوا عَلَيَّهُ If you hear the muaddin making the adhan, then say what the muaddin says, then do the salatu wassalam upon the Prophet ﷺ. Hadith in Sahih Muslim also. So these are all types of duas that an individual can make at the end of the adhan, so they should be memorized and they should be read, when you hear the muaddin make the adhan at the end of it, and that is from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. So these are the summarized rulings regarding the adhan, some of the affairs that Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar has mentioned in this chapter, about the rules and regulations of the adhan, the things which are mustahab to do in the adhan, all of those have been mentioned now briefly in that chapter, and the next chapter after that is the chapter concerning the conditions of the prayer. The chapter concerning the conditions of the prayer.